Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. This is Palm Sunday, and we're going to take a little uh, break from our uh, study from Hebrews for two weeks. Um, we, we have a, a story as the Christian church, and we have a history and a tradition, and uh, you know, there's some important dates and this, that, that come in the calendar each year that uh, we stop to just reflect on things that we know very, very well. If uh, you grew up in the church like I did, uh, these are stories uh, of, of, uh, of Palm Sunday, of Good Friday, and of Easter that uh, we know very well. But they're old stories but they're stories that are just as fresh and alive and, and new to us. So none of, a lot of you know that I have a, <clears throat> I have a problem, uh, probably more than one problem, but one that costs me money, uh, and that is collecting books. And um, uh, you'd be proud of me. I, I, have a coupon, I had a coupon that was good for 40% off a certain bookstore um, uh, last night and uh, last couple days, and um, I didn't go. Because I knew I would buy something. I might go today because I have one for 50% off today. But I might. <laughs> but um, I didn't go because I go downstairs and, uh, well, it, it, it's when you get to a point where you look at a book and you think, do I have that book? And you go home and see you have it. And then you know you're kind of getting too many books. So I, so I get rid of books too. Um, I donate books, you know, to our book sale we've had here in the past, uh, the thrift store. I sometimes trade them in if I think they're worth something and get money to, Buy more and bring home. <laughs> Some books I have are in uh, various uh, states of disrepair that really um, nobody would pay for. I, I wouldn't take these to the bookstore and expect anybody. I'm not even sure the thrift store would take them. They might throw them away. Um, and, and they're Bibles. And um, they're really not ones I plan to read or anybody in my family's probably going to read. Um, but they're family Bibles. This, this is a, this one here is, is li- literally the family Bible. This one, uh, and it's, it's in a little bit of state of, uh, disrepair. <laughs> and, um, but uh, this Bible, actually, um, I guess no, both of them are off now. <laughs> okay. Uh, this Bible came over with my great grandparents, uh, from Wales. And, um, Morris Morgan, born April 26, 1859, in, I, I can't even pronounce it because I don't speak uh, Welsh, and uh, the Bible is in Welsh, so I can't read it. Uh, if you're familiar, a Welsh is a different, it's the same letters, but different, different tongue. Um, I can make out the name of the books of the Bible, but I can't read it. But this is our family Bible, and this family Bible was my mom's, and has kind of come into our possession, and has, uh, you know... And there was a day when, I don't know how many of you maybe have family Bibles in somewhere in your home. Um, you know, trainer, someday maybe your great-grandkids will discover the family iPad. And uh, <coughs> 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 it's just not going to quite be the same. <laughs> because they lost the charger, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this has family history, and uh, so this this Bible is in great disrepair. I could take it somewhere, and it's worthless to anybody else, but it's going to stay in our family. Um, no one's probably ever going to read it, 
but it's our family Bible. I have some Bibles here today in different states of disrepair, but they're part of my story. And because they're part of my story, um, they stay, they, they'll stay with me. And I'm not sure what's going to happen to them when I'm gone, if anybody else will want them in the family. Um, but uh, they're part of my story. And so today, a well-known story, Palm Sunday, is uh, it's a very important part of our story. So I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. We read from Matthew already this morning that uh, Kimmy read for us. And uh, the Gospels uh, bring the accounts of the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Uh, but we, we care about this story. We care, what's, we care for what is special to us. I care about that Bible um, because it's special to me. And uh, what we care about, uh, we take care of. And this is a story that uh, we, we take care of and is, is special to us. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, <clears throat> we pray that your words will be heard. We pray that our hearts will be open to your word. And that in the tradition of the Christian Protestant faith, um, that we stand that your word is our final authority for all that we believe and all that we do for faith uh, and practice. And so we uh, bring ourselves to you and just ask for your presence to give us, help us have attention to your word. Help our children and youth as they meet, uh, the littlest ones, uh, to the elementary kids that are meeting now, uh, bring their attention to your word as well. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. <coughs> So Luke chapter 19 uh, covers the same ground and territory, the passage that we read from Matthew. But let's let's look at um, let's look at uh, let's look at verse 32. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. That is, when he said, "Go get, go ask them for the donkey, and just tell them that the master needs it." So they did. And verse 30, 32, they went ahead, and verse 33, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. That's interesting. I noticed that particularly. They, they praised God for all the miracles that they had seen. And they cried out, Blessed is he, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Um, does that ring a bell, glory in the highest? Peace on earth, goodwill to men, glory to God. In the highest. It's from the same uh, scripture quoted by the angels that we celebrate at Christmas time. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. And Jesus says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, as you read this account, if you were to put yourself into the context of the first century, of first century Judaism and the, and the story and the context here, that uh, this is Passover time and pilgrims, we say, in other words, Jews from all over the world. Uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, there are three Jewish holidays um, that every Jewish male was supposed to go to Jerusalem, if at all possible. You were supposed to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. This is one of those three holidays. 
And so on Passover, as I've mentioned many times, but again, just to give you a point of reference, the old city of Jerusalem is about the size of Green Lake. If you've ever walked around Green Lake, and you could have up to a million and a half people crowding in, trying to get as close as they could to that place and find places to spend the night and find places to be. And it's this week before Passover, that um, or a few days, not even, not even really a full week, that, that Jesus is coming from the east. He's coming from the Mount of Olives, which sits up above Jerusalem. If you're on the Mount of Olives and you look to the west, today you see the, the dome of the rock, of course, and you see the city walls. You go down the Kidron Valley and back up, and there's an eastern gate, and there's 12 gates to that city that, uh, that, that go into the city of Jerusalem. And so the context is, as the, as the Jewish people would come to Jerusalem, it was a very uh, celebratory holiday. Yom Kippur, we've been talking about from Hebrews, is a very somber holiday. It's a holiday of very serious uh, fasting and contemplation. Passover is a time to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate their freedom. It's their salvation story. This is the Jews' salvation story, Passover, when God brought them from the hand of Pharaoh and brought them and rescued them and saved them. And so as they came to Jerusalem, there was a series of a liturgy, if you will. Of uh, There was a whole series of psalms that were recited as you went up to Jerusalem, wherever you're coming from, going up to Jerusalem. And they're called the Hallel Psalms. Um, you know, we say what? Hallelujah. Hallel means praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, the ooh part is two. And Yah is short for Yahweh. Praise to Yahweh. Praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. And there was a series of psalms they would sing. In fact, there were <clears throat> different traditions of different places. You would stop and sing these psalms and share them together as you came toward the city and you celebrated and, of course, Passover was also a time of tremendous messianic expectation. Uh, even today, if you've been through one of the uh, Christ and the Passover uh, dinners and seders and things that we that Jews for Jesus and different mission organizations do, and uh, you know that uh, even today at, a, at, at the Passover seder, there is a point in the story where... Um, uh, the youngest boy begins to read and so on. And this, the idea of, of, you know, why is this night special to us? What's different about this night? And at each, in each family home, there's supposed to be a place left for Elijah the prophet to come and announce the coming Messiah. And perhaps he will choose your home to come and make that wonderful announcement that the Messiah is coming. It's a time of great messianic expectation. And so as you see in this context here, as the people come to Jerusalem, there is great, and there's some question even among you know, the commentators and so on, how much, how much do these people really know? How many of them were really expecting Jesus to be the Messiah? How many really understood? You know, we, we read in the Gospels that G, Jesus had brothers and sisters. It was actually quite a large family. And, and we read that his own family didn't believe in him. In fact, they thought he was crazy at one point. They went to get him because they thought he, had, he was literally crazy. And, um, and, yet, and there were disciples who, who all along the way, even as we read toward the end of the story, when Jesus said, have I been so long with you that you don't know who I am? And so it's a, it's a little bit even confusing how much of them really understand that he is proclaiming to be the Messiah. Do they think he is a great prophet? It says, that, it says here, as we read, that they came because of the miracles. It says they, they, they praised God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Something was happening because of the miracles. 
Was he a, a great prophet? Was he going to herald the Messiah? Was the Messiah coming? There's this great anticipation and there's this great expectation. Um, look back in your Bible at Psalm 118, this great Hallel Psalm. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Psalm 118, the Hallel Psalm. And this is the, this is sort of the high point, the, the epitome, if you will. You notice that this is the last of the Psalms of this section, and the next one is Psalm 119, which introduces a whole new section of the Psalms. And, and as they came and, and as the rabbis taught that this Psalm had a tremendous uh, messianic um, anticipation, but it also had to do with the King of Israel, with David, uh, Solomon, with the kings of Israel coming to the, to the city of Jerusalem. And you come in Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord, his love endures forever. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord. This is, they would repeat this and there was sort of antiphonal response and chant back and forth between the choir leaders or the leaders of the congregation and the people as they would chant this back and forth and there was, was different traditions of how it was done but this is the context they're coming to jerusalem and this is the high point and this psalm is one that all jews knew and all jews knew was part of the celebration um it's like it's like easter sunday for us singing up from the grave he arose right i mean it's it's anticipation or for good friday you know sacred head now wounded they knew this psalm and they expected to hear it. And at the end of this, it says here, verse 22, which of course becomes very important in the gospel story, the stone the builders rejected, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day. Come on, you know this. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And then there's this, this part that was being chanted as Jesus came. O Lord, and it's, it's Yahweh, but Adonai, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and it is he. He has made his light shine upon us with bows in hand as they would come. Join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar where the finally the, 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 the whole community came and passed this off to the high priest who eventually will go up to the horns of the altar to proclaim uh, the rejoicing. And so this was sung anticipation, partly the king. Remember, the, the Messiah is a son of David. It was sung in, in anticipation of the, the, the king David and Solomon coming into the holy city. But it also became the theme of the Messiah who would come, come and join and celebrate. You, understand, you get the celebration involved here? It's a happy day. It's a celebration day. And, that, that's the, the, and, they, and the children came and they cried out. And laying out their clothes in front of the donkeys was a sign of acknowledgement of royalty. You'll see this in old literature, not just in the Bible, of laying out their clothes in submission to royalty. Coming on the donkey was a coming in peace. It was, this, is not a, this is not a sign of, of uh, weakness, but it's a sign of, of coming in peace. Coming to the city instead of on a war horse, coming in peace. And then it says here that in this passage, at the beginning, verse 25, O Lord, save us. Save now. Save now. Hoshana. 
in the, in the Hebrew, as the people cried out, as they cried out when, 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 the, when the Lord came, and they cried, they cried out, Hosanna. It's, it's our English equivalent of Hosea Na. And in fact, in the Hebrew, it is Na. Hosea Na. Na. And it's the idea of, of, of now. Please. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a begging. Please. Save now. Save now. Please. Save now. Na. Hosea Na. Na. Save now. And so this is, this is Palm Sunday and the anticipation and the celebration and the joy as Jesus for this brief moment of expectation and joy and receptivity and, and uh, acknowledgement, this brief moment, because it's not going to last. And, and, the, and the Pharisees cried out, tell them to be quiet. It really bugged them that the children especially were, were crying out and, and celebrating. And Jesus says, if I do, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. Um, this old Bible was in our basement, and we were loading up. I was loading up books one day to take to the to the bookstore uh, or somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, and um, I mean, it was a thrift store, bookstore. And I picked this one up, and also, and I looked inside it, and I didn't realize it's um, this holy Bible is presented to Teresa Hansen by Trainer F. Hansen and Ostrid L. Hansen, Christmas. 1965, and it's uh, Teresa's old Bible, and uh, so well, what do we, well, we can't throw that away, <laughs> you know. We're not going to read it probably. Um, and actually, she took she took some time to put her family put her family tree in here, and uh, so you guys you guys might be interested. Your great great grandparents' names you probably don't even know who they are are actually in here. Um, she wrote all this stuff down and. Uh, this, this actually is interesting. This, this Bible was produced expressly for Sears, Roebuck, and Company. How's that? And Simpson Sears LTD by the National Bible Press. Um, no one's probably going to read this Bible, but, you know, you can't just discard it, right? And um, so let me read because uh, I want to read from Luke chapter 20. The next part of this story, read it from uh, this old Bible that uh, King James translation that um, that I that I grew up with, and I know this story well. And um, in Luke chapter 19, sorry about that. Luke chapter 19, the next part of the story, after he says that if the stones would would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Now, I know some of your translations said he cried, but that's not the right word. This is weeping. Um, if you've ever seen pictures in the, of people in the Middle East, when they weep at a funeral, it's not, it's not the way I would cry in my culture and the way, the way I am, in my, my Welsh culture you know you don't show those kind of emotions you know you're kind of stoic you know um they're weeping jesus breaks down i mean imagine the scene jesus is, is coming down the, the road from the mount of olives and there's a celebration and joy and, and he stops and he looks at jerusalem and he just breaks down and starts 
weeping, expressively, loud, crying, the tears. The word is a very strong word. It's not cry. It's weep. And he wept over. He just thought. I don't know what everybody thought. This is not a day for weeping. This is a day for celebration. This is a day for the Hallel Psalms. And he starts weeping. And he weeps. And he cries. And he was come near it. He beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee on every side. And they shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Jesus wept over his city. You know, Jesus, he's talking in this passage here about what he knows what's to come. In a few years, in one generation, if this is roughly 33, you know, the count is off a little bit, but by 70 AD, this, this city is going to be destroyed by the Romans. We've been talking about that from Hebrews. And it's going to be, it's going to be devastating. It's going to be butchery and slaughter. Some of you know the story of Masada, where the last of the Jews go up to the hill, hilltop of the Herod's fortress in Masada, and it's the last stand against the Romans. And then that night, 900 and some commit suicide rather than be taken slaves by the Romans. It's butchery and slaughter and weeping and crying and men, women, and children being slaughtered or else taken off to slavery. He foresees this, and he weeps over it. He weeps for his people. He weeps for his city. This, these were his people. This was his family. These were his relatives. He had relatives who didn't believe him or anything to do with him. He lived in a, he lived in a, in a land in a country that, that was, was his. He lived there for 33 years. He loved this place. Um, you know, this is my city. You know, I've, I've lived in the Seattle area my entire life, except for six years in Minneapolis and then the years in college in Michigan. And I get dispirited like everybody else about some of the things that go on and some of the decisions and everything else. And sometimes you think, who stole my city, you know, and so forth. But this is my city. This is my place. This is my place. These are my people. And, and Jesus wept and wept over his place and his people because he knew what was going to happen. Because they would not receive him as Messiah and King. He wept over Jerusalem. And you know, it's in Matthew chapter 23. If we go back, Kimmy read from Matthew from us, go back to Matthew 23. And in Matthew chapter 23, 
And we see one of the reasons why he weeps, not only for the suffering, but later on in the week. This, this is ongoing. This is ongoing. This, this, this takes place toward the end of the week. This is the Olivet Discourse. We talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning. Matthew 23 and 24, this is the Olivet Discourse. Later in the week, Jesus has been talking about the, the coming end of the age, the coming kingdom era, but preceded by the tribulation. And you can read 23 and 24, but look at verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now, Leon Uris wrote some book years ago about the battle in 1948 uh, in Jerusalem, the war in Jerusalem and Israel. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It's a really great book you should read. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. It's repeated twice for, for emphasis and, and emotion. You who kill the prophets and you stone those who sent to you. How often, this is why he weeps, how often I would have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Now, some of you raised chickens. I know that because a cart of eggs showed up in my office today. <laughs> and um, fresh eggs. And you, the, the hen that if you had little chicks that has to gather, you know, little chicks are like little people, you know, they don't necessarily want to stay, right, close in the nest. They're like big people sometimes too, you know, they don't want to do that. But the, the hen gathers them and then puts the wings over them and protects them. And this is an image from the Old Testament. You know, under, what's the song we sing? Under his wings, I will safely abide, sheltered. And Jesus says, if only you had known how often. And he's, he's speaking not just from his 33, he's speaking for God. For all these centuries, if only you had known how often, of all the, all the, all the, the, the heartache and the butchery that's gone on in the last hundreds of years and all, if you'd only known if you would have come back, I would have, I wanted to, I longed, I longed to gather you under my wing and, and what? Protect you, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. And I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, your house is left desolate. The temple. In the Old Testament, God's very presence filled that tabernacle, filled that temple to the point that the, the people had to scatter and leave because the Shekinah glory of God was so overpowering, nobody could stand it. This past week, we were at our pastor's regional um, conference meeting for the region, northwest region, and uh, Brother Ken Farman from Port Orchard, the Grace Bible Church in Port Orchard, one of our devotionals, shared this thought uh, from the Old Testament. It was a good reminder to us. And um, this old Bible is another one that um, no one's going to read. It's probably better shaped than the rest of them, but it's an old Schofield reference Bible. And um, it says in the cover here, um, to Mother, Christmas, 1972, with love, from Jim. I bought this for my mom. This is my first year of college. I'm not sure where I got the money, but 
I might have borrowed it from her. I don't know. But um, her Bible was getting to look like this. And I went and bought her a new uh, Schofield reference Bible. And it's, it's a little bit of a state of disrepair as well. Still has her name tag. I think the last time she was at church. Or maybe I probably, you know, it was probably from the uh, senior luncheon. I'll be it was from the senior luncheon. And she had her name tag on Eunice Shamaria. She died in 1993. It was my first uh, funeral I did as pastor of this church with my own mother. And so I've kept the, uh, the paper in there from my mom's funeral and kept my uh, paper from to remind me of the message and also uh, when I candidated for as pastor here. But let me read to you. And this is King James, so it's a little, little challenging, I know, for, but uh, Ezekiel chapter 10, what, what Jesus is talking about. Uh, Pastor Ken uh, reminded us of Ezekiel chapter 10. And this is vision Ezekiel has. And he says in verse 3 of chapter 10, Now the cherubims stood on the right side of the house, that is the house of God. When the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court, that's the presence of God. The cloud is the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. Then the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And this picture of of God's glory and brightness and Shekinah presence that was in the house. This is the prophet looking at this and, and talking to his people. And then in verse 18 Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. And the cherubims lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. And they went out and the wheels also were beside them. And everyone stood at the door of the eastern gate. The eastern gate is the one that Jesus is looking right at when he weeps over Jerusalem. And when he sits inside the court of the temple on the mount there and looks back over and sees the eastern gate to which the Messiah is supposed to come through. And the eastern gate and the glory of the God of Israel was over the cherub at the eastern gate. And then in chapter 11 and in verse 22. Then the cherubims lifted up their wings and the wheels beside them and the glory of the God of Israel was over them and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city, the Mount of Olives. And Ezekiel in this passage shares this story of this gradual movement of God and for Israel to understand because of your sin and idolatry and rebellion, God's presence is leaving your city and visually told the story of the presence of God leaving their city and going to the Mount of Olives and leaving the house empty. And Jesus looks back and Jesus is in that temple and Jesus says, look, your house is empty. It's desolate. How often I would have gathered you, but God's presence is no longer there. And the amazing thing is, as long as Jesus is there, God's presence still is there. It left 
And Ezekiel saw it leave. If only they had known his presence was back. But the next chapter, chapter 24 and verse 1, Jesus left the temple. And you can read the rest of the story for the Passion Week. Read it this week. Read the Gospels. He leaves the temple for the last time. He leaves the temple for the last time. Look, your house is empty. It's desolate. Jesus weeps for the lostness of his own. And as we consider this Passion Week and this Easter story, I have to ask myself, when was the last time that I wept? When was the last time you wept over someone because they refused to embrace the message of the grace of God and of Jesus Christ's love for them and salvation? Do we ever weep for our place? Do we ever... It's easy to criticize. Believe me, I'm being first in line. I know that better than anybody. But do we ever weep for our place? Do we ever weep for our people? Is our heart ever broken like the Lord's was? Because of the rejection of the message of Hope. I mentioned earlier, and I appreciate it so much, Torlef got up and just shared a few words at his wife's funeral the other day. And every word he said, and I don't say this that he wouldn't want me to, but he, every word he said had to do with how good God has been, how thankful and how wonderful it is to, to know him as Savior. Do we ever weep? This old Bible is really in bad shape. As you can tell, I'm not going to get much for this one. Um, It's another Schofield reference Bible. Presented to Jim E. Shamaria. Now, I know my son goes, you know him as Jimmy. He's, He's Jim back in Michigan. But as he reminded you some years ago that actually your pastor's name is Jim E. Shamaria. I'm Jimmy. Um... Presented to Jim E. Shamaria on Confirmation Day, May 14, 1967. The Brian Church pastor. He didn't sign it, just pastor. <laughs> I think Morris Benson wrote that. Uh, I got this Bible right here. Actually, back here. <laughs> Things have changed. Uh, I received this Bible right here from Pastor Peterson, 1967. It was my uh, confirmation Bible. I'm not going to probably read it. It's one of those ones that is probably going to disappear in dust. Um, I've got a lot nicer Bibles, King James even, than this. Um, but no one really wants this Bible. But it's part of my story. And um, Easter and Palm Sunday are part of our story. Do we ever weep? Do we really care? I'm talking to myself first. Believe me, you know that. You know me well enough, I hope. Um, That's the hardest thing about preaching, you know, is it's easy to tell you stuff and then go home and think, yeah, but do I do that? In Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, who had killed people for being Christians, 
who was the apostle to the Gentile world. He was called specifically to take the gospel, not to Jerusalem, but to the Gentile world. But it was to take his name to Israel and Gentiles and kings, to the Gentile world. And there were a lot of Jews in that Gentile world. And you know every place Paul went, where'd he go? Huh? Where'd he go first? His first stop. Synagogue. And he said clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ to the who first? To the Jew first. And to the Gentiles. Listen, friends. The apostle Paul wept over his people. He wept over Tarsus, I'm sure. In chapter 9 of Romans, I say the truth in Christ... I lie, this is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Did you hear what he said? If it were possible, I would wish myself eternally damned and separated and cursed from my Lord Jesus Christ if my brothers and sisters, the Israelites, would just come and receive salvation. Have you ever, could I ever say that? I'll be honest with you, that, that's a tough one. Would you give up eternal salvation for somebody else? Do we ever weep? Is there ever sorrow? Is there ever that type of longing in our hearts? Do we really care? Do I really care about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is the Passion Week. This is the week that the Lord Jesus Christ came into his own, and his own received him not. But to ever received him, to them gave he the right to what? Come the sons of God children of God because he God wept and cared and loved so much that he gave his only his one and only begotten son I have one more Bible here I'll close with this this is another Bible that's in pretty tough shape and uh, another one of these covers that this one's about to fall off. <laughs> so it's a little better than the other two. This one's about to go. Uh, this Bible is uh, Hebrew on one side and English on the other uh, because it's just the Old Testament. This is my father's Bible. This is my father's Bible. And I suspect he probably got this to learn English. Because when he came to America, all he could do was get off the train and uh, hold out the money and hope they took what they were supposed to take. <laughs> you know, came by himself as a teenager. 
had learned English. So I think he probably used this to learn Hebrew to English. And it's interesting, looking through this Bible, I didn't find anything underlined. Uh, you know, I have a, uh, I'm taking a little bit extra time, I'm sorry, but um, I, re- I have a distinct memory. My dad died when I was in second grade. I don't have a lot of memories. But sometime in the year before he died, I remember distinctly driving. We were going down from Green Lake, coming home from Green Lake, the Evans Pool, going across 80th right there by Bethany Church and Bagley School. And I remember specifically, I remember, I don't know why, I remember the place and time of all things, saying, Dad, you believe in God? And he said, no, I'm an atheist. And we didn't discuss it anymore. But I knew he heard the gospel because he was Jewish. He was an atheist, he said. But he did love music. So he used to go to Emmanuel for uh, Easter cantatas and Christmas cantatas because he loved music. So I know he heard the gospel. And what God does in the closing seconds of a person's life is up to God I, I don't know. But it is just interesting to me. There's not one thing I could find underlined in this Bible except, except it's right there. Just, that's it. One, one verse. Two, one part of a verse and the second one from chapter of Isaiah. But unto Zion shall come the Redeemer. And unto those who return from transgressions in Jacob, saith the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and thy words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy children, nor out of the mouth of thy children's children saith the Lord, from henceforth and to all eternity. I don't think my dad would have ever known that his children's children would have the Word of God burned into their heart because of his grace and mercy. And the next verse, the next chapter, which is not underlined, says, Arise, give light, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is shining forth over thee. For behold, the darkness shall come up, cover the earth, a gross darkness the people, but over thee will shine forth the Lord, and his glory will be seen over thee. The presence of God in my heart And in your heart, in this Palm Sunday, I ask myself first, do I ever weep? Do I really care that people go to eternity without the hope of the gospel? Save now. Hosea Save now, Lord Jesus. Guys, come on up. I'll put the last pieces of my books here and I go somewhere there. And let's close our service. Song of praise to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the back of my dad's Bible is a thing that he wrote down. And it was from a Jewish author who 
quite a prolific author, Bernstein, back in the early part of last century, but as O Israel, nation of leaders with no one to lead. And it goes through, he copied this whole thing down as an article in an old New York paper from 1908. And at the end of it is, O nation of leaders with no one to lead, come with awaken in your haughty pride. Come with awaken. Will you pray for your neighbors, your friends, your relatives this week, that God would awaken, awaken their hearts to what really matters, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Father, uh, we just can't tell you how much today that we give you thanks for calling us to yourself. You didn't have to love us, but you chose to love us. And Lord, uh, we just, I just pray that our lives, our attitudes, our hearts, that, uh, that we would just be open this week as the opportunities come to realize that we are the epistle that many are reading. May our lives reflect your love, mercy, and grace. May you place within us both the joy and the celebration that we're going to share in next week of the resurrection. But also, as we share on Friday, the sorrow and the price that was paid. And that we would have that burden. That we would have that burden. And you would place it in our hearts. We pray this in Christ, our Savior's name.